You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Good morning. <clears throat> good. Whoa. A little musky voice there. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It is uh, Friday, February 24th, 8.03. And I uh, can't get the poet working today, but I'm working on it. I may have made a a couple of errors. I, I, I made one small little tweak to it today, which is I didn't put it as a private drop. Maybe I should have. So let's see if that works and that allows me. I actually forgot to claim my own poet yesterday. I've had everyone's, the first one I've missed. Um, I had a call and uh, yeah, I forgot about it. So, you know, you snooze, you lose. Even I, I snooze, I lose. Um, it is No Agenda Friday. So I'm going to invite you all up in a moment or some of you can come up anyway. Uh, put two things in the chat today. This is meant to be the poet, the one on the left that says, Hello, darkness, my old, my old friend. Went to um, a coffee shop in Cape Town when I was there. I met, um, actually, technically my first boss, um, 6.15, um, several of the mornings, and uh, it was called Shift Coffee. But you know what I love? South Africa's always done this really well is they they have these beautiful little puns and one-liners um, and they're very creative. And so this is, you know, my black coffee that said, hello, darkness, my old friend. And then on the wall is this sign that says, uh, death before decaf. 
Um, and I love it because you know what? It's just it. It's personality. It's a brand. You know, you identify with it. You know, could it be polarizing? Uh, if you're a decaf person, sure, but maybe you're not the right customer for them if you're a decaf person, or maybe. You know, you are, if you're a decaf person, you kind of laugh at it and you're a little self-deprecating. You're like, I know, I know, I know. Um, but, you know, it's it's what I do to avoid the, the I don't know, the um, heart palpitations or whatever. But, but, you know, having a point of view is so important in life. Um, you know, picking a lane. Picking a lane. It's like, you know, Yogi Berra once said, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. So profound when you think about it. And of course, so yogi, which is, you know, like the the more you think about it, the less it makes sense. And yet it just makes complete sense, right? What does it mean? Uh, it means, you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, don't let analysis paralysis set in. Um, it means like when you come to fork in the road, you have no choice. You've got to, you got to take the fork. You've got to choose whether you go left or right, whether you take high road or low road, whether you know, it's it's um, it's this idea that 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 almost says you're forced to make a choice, but make the choice. The worst thing you can do is not make a choice. The worst thing you can do is to just be paralyzed with fear, or to never move forward, or to turn back. Um, and probably there's another interpretation. I'm sure none of these he meant originally. Um, but there's this idea that once you take the fork, once you take the path, don't look back. Take the path, you know, and, and be confident in your choice, even if it's the wrong choice. How about that, right? Even if it's the wrong choice. Um, figure it out. Like, obviously, what we don't want, what we don't need, what we can't afford is for that choice to be a disaster, right? You know, I mean, you don't want it to be completely the wrong choice, but I don't think that's the point. I don't think the point is, um, you know, when faced with a choice, one which is, you know, salvation and the other one is damnation. I don't think it's meant to be that binary where, you know, one is completely the right choice and the other one is completely the wrong choice. I think what it's talking about is when faced with a choice, when faced with the reality of, oh, I don't know, I, I could go this way or that way. It's six of one and half a dozen of the other. You know, should I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. You've got two candidates, right? They're both really good candidates as opposed to one's a complete moron and the other one's a rock star. That's easy. That's not a fork in the road. <laughs> that's just one road, right? <clears throat> oh, that's interesting. No audio. <clears throat> no audio. How do I fix that? Have you heard anything? Um, I'm I'm hearing no audio. Sue, what is wrong with me today? Can anyone hear me? I bet you. I'll bet you the recording is still going. So if you are, yeah, come on to stage. Let's see what's going on. Let's fix this, everybody. I thought I was on a roll here. Let me bring everyone up to, to the stage and let's just see if we can hear people. And then I'll get back to the, the topic at hand. I think the roadcast is catching this. At least I hope it is. Otherwise, hey, Praxim, can you hear me? And now I can. You were quiet there for a moment. Can anybody else hear us? Until you invited me up, I couldn't hear you. Oh, so I was just, I, 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 there was gold. There was gold coming from my mouth. 
So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Why don't you start? Why don't you start? All right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to leave the stage and I'm going to come right back. And for those of you that are listening online, just be patient with us. All right. So, what you need, my friends, if you're all listening online, this is going to be a very good test. Get some music. And let's just figure out what went wrong today. I love it. This is just life in progress. The question is, who can hear me right now? There's a snow that I just cleared from yesterday, and the weather is minus 11 Fahrenheit. Uh, the upside is it's only up from here. It's a little bit cold this morning, and... Hello. We just, this, hello, welcome back. Well, now I, I know you can hear me, but, uh, but uh, I need to know now... Uh, Bez, can you hear me? Christopher, can you hear me? Jensa, can you hear me? Well, what I was telling the team while they have a chance to answer here, it, the crew, I should say, is that when you have the physical on the mobile device, when you are, or the, your icon, I should say, you can tell that you're actually speaking. Yeah, that was so weird. So I had a... Um, I had the, this whole massive, beautiful blurb on this idea of picking a lane and if you come to a fork in the road, take it. And I was talking about what I left in the in the chat, um, which was, hello, darkness, my old friend from uh, Shift Coffee, which I went to in Cape Town. And I was just really talking about a point of view, like having a point of view and making choices. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of like pause on that for a moment just because – if people actually listen to the podcast, I don't want them to necessarily hear it twice, but I'll come back to it if we need to. Uh, the other thing that I shared today, and just in terms of my no agenda, is I just saw this the other day and it really connected with me. Uh, I love reading motivational posts from people I know that are toxic in real life. Um, I mean, it's funny, um, but it's also there's with so many things in life and so much, so much, you know, in comedy, there's always truth to it. And it's amazing how um, people put on masks and people create personas and people create images that are so different from what the actual truth is. Um, And it's good and it's bad and it's ugly. And that's the point, right? There are some people that are bad people that come across as, that are trying to come across as good people. Um, There are, you know, people that are afraid that are, you know, that hide behind the keyboard. There's so many different... um, <clears throat> there's so many different elements of this idea of mosques. Um, but it's it's funny because, you know, do we call them out? Do we call bullshit? Do we, do we challenge? Do we, you know, wh- what do we do when we, see, when we see something that is so blatantly untrue? And we know it's untrue. And we know that there are people that are necessarily maybe being duped, <clears throat> excuse me, duped by this or... The image that is being portrayed. You see, the whole thing is, um, what do they call it? Internet sleuthing. This was a huge part of like what I wrote even in, in Join the Conversation, like literally like 15 years ago, that, you know, what would happen is the consumer would always, you know, or the internet would always figure it out, would always be able to solve the challenge or solve the puzzle or out the person. Um, so those are just two things, again, no agenda that I wanted to share 
Uh, but Praxim, what is on your no agenda? What is not on your agenda, I should say? I was sharing that I actually am one of those people that uh, is listening to the body and d- taking my love of coffee, but just reducing it instead of throwing it out. I am not a decaf person. And I find it almost appalling to go to something like um, cocoa coffee, as they call it, or mushroom coffee. Um, And I've tried them, right? Because they supposedly have all these other health benefits. But I do love the, the uh, the black stuff to have a fresh cup in the morning, preferably fresh ground. I mean, it it has an experience that's very visceral grinding, especially if you grind it. I don't know about yourself, but uh, I will take a pod once in a while of espresso at home just because it's simple. But for the coffee, I love the whirring of the grinder to produce the, the fresh coffee smell before it even gets brewed. Um, how was your routine or ritual with coffee? Hey, I, <clears throat> I just got a <clears throat> an espresso machine. So, I mean, I didn't, <clears throat> when I say I just got one, I've had one for a while. I mean, all I have is that. I used to, <clears throat> oh, I got to just get rid of this frog. Hold on one second. So, so I um, <clears throat> also tried the Nespresso, <clears throat> uh, I call them the oblong pods. Um, I just didn't care for the coffee that it produced. So I ended up switching, ironically, to the original Nespresso pods for uh, that just make espresso, not coffee. Oh, it's funny because so I'm, I'm all in the Virtuo. And, virtu- and I just found the Intenso or Intensio, which makes a full cup, and it's, it's, it's black coffee. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's my routine. I have two or three of them a day. But, you know, you... You spawned a, a couple of interesting ideas there. I mean, first of all, the whole concept of decaf, right? That That's where the image comes from. It's, uh, you know, there was Hello Darkness, my old friend, but in Shift Coffee on the wall is a giant, I'll, I'll find that and I'll post it as well. It says, death before decaf. And uh, that was my point earlier, right? It's, I love point of view. I love, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's it, it's polarizing, but it's, you know, it's not meant to necessarily shame or belittle or whatever, but it's a point of view. It's, it's Yogi Berra. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. It's creating the fork, actually. It's creating the fork. Sometimes you need to create the fork. Sometimes you need to be able to divide and conquer and be able to almost say, hey, not everyone can be our customer. Not everyone can be our friend. But maybe there's another way to think of it as well, which is this idea of just, you know, of being able to f- finding focus, right? Finding focus, finding um, more intimacy, um, etc. So when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Uh, maybe it's time for us to add a new thought to it, which is sometimes you need to create the fork, um, you know, to be able to, uh, if not self-select, help people maybe self-select. I know it's an interesting, interesting thought. But the other thing about the grinding, it's very much experiential, or at least it should be, right? So there's the noise, the sound, the time. You know, at Nando's there was that sign that said, our quality is remembered long after the wait is forgotten. They took the negative. They took the slowness. They took the fact that their competition was, you know, the the, the nuking, the nuking option, the McDonald's, the, 
you know, the KFCs that could go from zero to completely, you know, cooked in, in 45 seconds. They knew they couldn't do that. And so what did they do? They leaned into um, our quality is remembered long after the wait is forgotten. But sometimes, I mean, if you think about Starbucks right now, they've just updated their machines again. It's so automated. They literally just yes. push a button. And suddenly you're like, you know, and suddenly you're faced with a real tough decision or choice, I should say, as a consumer, which is I paid $4.50 or $5 for that latte, for that flat white, for that cappuccino. And part of it was that a barrister was making it for me and it took a little bit of time, but it didn't take too much time. But now, you know, when so much of their business is coming through drive through and you can't really see how the sausage is being made, they're literally just pushing a button. Why do you even need a barrister? Eventually, it's just going to completely be automated. Of course, it's going to be automated. It's all going to come through a machine and the buttons will press and everything will mix together. And you may as well just have an espresso machine in your house. And so the grinding of the beans is intentional. You know, it's actually there to to inject value, inject story, inject experience into it. You know, I mean, hell, they, they could have it all ground before if they wanted to. But the fact that you see it being ground, you know, on the on site, it's, it communicates freshness. It communicates, but it also communicates um, steps that are that are justifying the purchase price. Well, I also think it in our busy lives it slows us down. Like there, there's an intentional uh, slowing down that we need, and even if it's a machine making it, just hearing the word uh, and the process of it being made is important. Um, I can tell you that I was in an office once uh, that. They brought in, they got rid of the pre-ground bags, which are ironically good because it was a local uh, roaster. Uh, but then they changed them to coffee concentrate. Let me tell you, for a coffee drinker, no one, even the people that just, you know, would fill their cup to have a warm cup at their desk all day long, wanted the coffee concentrate. Um, so I can, I can tell you, like, as a... Starbucks, uh, I wouldn't call it aficionado, but we go often. Uh, it's for the consistency when there is no choice or you don't know where the other coffee shops are. But I have totally, in my neighborhood, mapped out, like we have a coffee roaster and that bitter roasting smell has its own fascinating uh, appeal, right? And I almost try to like find out when the roaster is going to be there so I can smell the roasting going on. Right. And their machines are semi-automatic, but they do grind for every cup. Right. So back to your point of, you know, they, they haven't gone fully automatic. But the thing that they that I get from Starbucks as a brand, as a consumer, not the marketer side, is it's consistent everywhere I go. When we've gone to Alaska, Starbucks tastes like Starbucks. When we go to Florida, Starbucks tastes like Starbucks. And there's something to be said about that uh, level of consistency. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard that the the joke about st- how did Starbucks price their coffee, right? Somebody had twenty five cents on a napkin and put three twenty five in front of it, right? Three dollars and <laughs> said that's what we're going to price it, right? Because they bring this consistency that was so much higher than what you could get prior to. I, I mean, I remember coffee shops prior to Starbucks, but nobody had the consistency they did. 
Well, I mean, listen, that is still the essence of brand, and it is the essence of brand as it relates to um, a franchise, a QSR, is that it it's ironic. Well, it's not even ironic, but it's like this idea that everything looks the same, everything you know, acts the same, everything tastes the same. Uh, you know, the McDonald's in Moscow, once upon a time, right, versus, you know, Minnesota, um, that there should be that level of conformity and, and standardization. It's just, it's critical. It's absolutely critical um, in terms of, in terms of um, you know, in terms of consistency. But I guess part of the interesting point is at what price does it come, you know? And you always have to, you always have to like look at the trends, you always have to like be able to say what what is happening in the world right now? Is the world speeding up or is the world slowing down? Do are people, you know, is it what, what do they always say? Better, you know, better, cheaper, faster, right? Pick, you know, pick, you know, do you want, pick one, pick two or whatever? Um, you know, do do we want to slow down or speed up? Do we want more human or more computerized or more automated? Do we want more authentic or like, you know, like? I continue to think and believe that we will continue to see a, um, a rebellion, an uprising against social media. And I say that for a couple of reasons. You know, I say that because um, I think that social media has been so damaging, so bad for so many, for so many reasons. And also because of Bull to Suck, because no one lives forever. You know, I I'm still have not been proven uh, wrong. You show, you tell me any empire or civilization, you know, or dynasty that is that has been around for five thousand plus years. You know, and and, and even if you look at and, and even if you look at religion, doesn't count because it's not a civilization. It's not a you know. I mean, it's it's an interesting conversation when you think about religion. Right and um, and and I don't mind. I don't mind being able to say, well, in fact, what I did with my book is I said the, you know, if the Ming Dynasty and the Ottoman Empire and even Nazi Germany and hell the USSR, which obviously they're trying to get back to it, but also the Egyptians and the Romans, and you keep going all the way back, um, the conquested like whatever, if they couldn't live forever then why do we believe Procter & Gamble will? Why do we believe that, you know, that General Motors will? It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. It is implausible. It is improbable that a company, if a company were its own, I mean, in some cases, do you remember the, all the quotes that they said, you know, Facebook was a country, it would be like, I don't know what the number was, the 13th, biggest country in terms of GDP. It was something like that, or 25th or, I don't know, 8th. But, but um, you know, there is a culture, there are laws, there are bylaws, there is, you know, enforcement, there is governance. But it, it's impossible for me to believe that a, that, a, that a company can live forever. And if that is true as well, then, then it, should be, it should be true about religion um, and you know what, uh, there is, you know, if, if you look at the, um, you can look at younger religions and older religions, you can look at the dilution of religion of late, um, and, and what has happened 
to counter that, right? When you think about, like, for example, you know, my religion, Judaism, when you think about, you know, um, uh, reform, conservative, orthodox, and, and what's happening in these three camps, uh, when you think about even, you know, people saying, I, my, my Judaism, I feel Jewish, you know, I'm, you know, I, I eat a bagel with a schmear that may, you know, um, and, and it's just fascinating to me, you know, what, creates uh, something that can live forever? Is it, in fact, the consistency, right? The Starbucks that tastes the same from Alaska to, you know, wherever, um, Australia, which, by the way, they failed in, uh, or is it the ability to adapt and evolve and change and tweak in order to survive? I think, I think it has to be both because uh, this is how disruption happens, Right. So if you are consistent, but Tesla's the perfect example of their this, right? Cars and trucks, they were relatively consistent for many years. Tesla came in and disrupted the market, right? And I can't tell you it's because they have better quality. I mean, they're nice. There were many cars with high quality with a high price point, but there there can be disruption. So I think you you either get disrupted or you self-disrupt. Well, that brings me back to, you know, that one of, one of the best uh, heresies, as I called it, that I came up with, I actually didn't even come up with it in the book. I came up with it afterwards and I said, there should be term limits on corporations after which they would either be immediately dissolved, dissected, or disrupted. So the three are very, very... Um, clear right dissolved thanks for playing term limits it's time to, yep. to shut it down like a pop-up company right um i mean you know if a company lasts for a hundred years it is a pop-up company in the scope and in the in context of a thousand years or five thousand years um but the dissected broken up into smaller pieces i mean we even saw that with hp um ge although you know that other issues or disrupted so it doesn't necessarily say it's the end. It just means you got to do something. You got to do something, whether that means shut the whole damn thing down or you know blow it up and 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 reboot it, um, or just be able to kind of recognize. Remember the four horsemen of the corporate apocalypse: size, age, being a public company, and culture. And if you want four out of four, or even three out of four, you got to go to those three Ds. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think a company can, or a business, an entity can change itself so drastically that you may not recognize it from its inception to today, right? Um, I, 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 you know, some of the leaders in this space that keep on ticking are amazing, and they have, they've almost failed, right? And we can probably point to a handful of them, but I, I'd love to see Apple be a car company. Like, that's internal disruption, because what do you mean? They made computers. Now they're making cars? Question mark. But it's that type of um, maybe they need to change their brand or split it apart at that point. Uh, I I don't know, but it is truly um, a a way to keep transforming instead of staying still. I mean, I I wanted to go back to yeah, go for the it. talking about experience, right? So I've been. Uh, you know, uh, you know, philosophically looking at uh, 
the the Danish idea of I think they say Hugge, it's spelled H Y G G E, and it's you know living the experience or being in the moment. Um, I think our these marketers uh, really and two, we, we've talked about it, two of them right. One is generally coffee shops. You used to pay for the experience because you used to go in a coffee shop, right? And I think you reconnected that when you went to your uh, the coffee shop in South Africa. Um, same thing with the coffee shop. I go. I don't go to Starbucks to sit in a Starbucks. Sadly, um, there was a small time when that existed, um, but it between. I think that it was the change was already happening, but uh, COVID really crushed that, and so. I find myself in this experiential part of why would I pay a premium for a cup of coffee, not the 25 or 50 cents or whatever it costs me to brew at home. It's because I want the, the, that experience, the environment, the, the hugey of the, of the, the whole thing, right? Same thing with why people buy Apple, right? It's a computer's a computer's a computer, but why do you buy the, the experience? How do you spell Hugi? I'll put it in the back chat. I really love this concept. We've heard of Ikigai, um, and now we've heard of Hugi. Hugi. I once met someone called Hugi from uh, Finland. Just kidding. So give me a... So, so Hugi, Hugi is the is the the idea of being in the it's danish and norwegian danish Higi, yes Higi is danish. a word in danish and norwegian that describes a mood of coziness and comfortable conviviality with feelings of wellness and contentment You're such a knowledgeable person it could be the small things in life, right? Uh, having a fireplace in your home um, and being around it in a cold time. I mean, many things like these interstitials in our life that we so cling to are often hugey, right? The sitting by a campfire or being out on a hike. I was talking to my wife the other day. Being out on a hike, I remember being on a hike in uh, the Pacific Northwest once in we turned the bend and it's in a forested area and it just went silent. And there's a, there's that moment is literally locked into my memories. Was it different than any other hike? Not particularly other than that quietness of the forest. And at that time. What? Um, so I'm looking at the, I'm going to read the definition. The other part, it says in brief, Hugi. Uh, sorry, Hugu. Is that how you pronounce it? Hugu. Close enough. <laughs> Hugu. Hugu. Um, Hugu is about taking time away from the daily rush to be together with people you care about or even by yourself to relax and enjoy life's quieter pleasures. The word Hugi uh, dates back to around 1800, at least in the meaning it has today. So, so here's a, here's a question for you because I thought I heard you say, and maybe you did say it was about being present. I did. Now, where does it say? I'm I'm I love that by the way, but where where does it talk about being present? Well, so it, it's a word, right? 
But when you when you read about and dig into a subject like DYOR, right, you find presence uh, and mindset as part of something like Huga. Because I can tell you, you've probably walked by an environment that has had Huga, but unless you're present, you don't recognize it. Mm, I love that. He has an interesting article uh, from the New Yorker um, that actually shows that in 2016, um, it was a finalist for, believe it or not, Word of the Year. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but listen to how insane this was. The Oxford Dictionary's 2016 Word of the Year shortlist was heavy on neologisms, neologisms that one wishes didn't have to exist. Alt-right, Brexiteer. And this year's winning term, post-truth. Among the finalists, though, was was uh, though there was one bit of solace, hygge, a Danish term defined as a quality of coziness and comfortable conviviality. I, I'm like just dying today with these words that engenders a feeling of contentment or well-being. Pronounced hygge, the word is said to have no direct translation in English, though cozy comes close. And it goes on. And I'll say one more. It's just so interesting. It derives from a 16th century Norwegian term, huga, meaning to comfort or to console, which, in, which is related to the English word hug. Um, so I love that. You know, my brother-in-law is Danish. Uh, my daughter was in Copenhagen. Um, uh, it, it all makes so much sense. Um, and this idea of being present no, I, I have that moment. I have these moments sometimes. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes uh, I generally have it when I've had a drink or two. You know, I just feel a little bit more, um, um, like a little bit more philosophical. Like I'll just see things. I'll focus. I'll be more present, actually. I'll focus on people walking by and 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 everyone around me as opposed to me. Um, not saying that I always do, but but I just you know, and I'm and I'm very much trying and like I, like create a photograph, an image of where I am, and um, and it's almost like a dream sometimes. It's a dream state because you kind of forget it all. Um, you don't manage to hold on to that that moment. So there is there is that aspect of like being able to take a snapshot um, and 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 you know really lean into that moment, that presence, that those feelings. And and look, it's it's already it comes all the way back, Praxim, to this idea of the coffee experience. Because it is, you know, the Nando's experience, the coffee experience. Um we've discussed experiences so many times, like in the Collective Cafe, even on on the show. But, you know, we've had this conversation about the five you know, senses, that's what you want. You want sight and, I mean, coffee, you go into the Starbucks, you can smell the coffee, you can taste the coffee, you can see the barristers, the process, you can hear the grinds and you can obviously, the touch, you know, touch and tactile is very important too. So like you have all of that. That's what helps to combine and create that Starbucks experience. And then you add to it, you know, elements like like decor. And, you know, there's... um. A coffee company, it's fu- funny, the last couple times I've been in South Africa, maybe they've stopped doing it, and this could be culture um, as well, which is um, which is there's a um, – I actually had the CEO on, on very, very early into Corona TV on the show, um, Darren Levy, and he um, uh, 
he's the CEO of a company called Vida, Vida a Cafe. And one of the things in Vida is when you, um, you know, when you give the, the barristers a tip, um, and they're, they're, I actually, to be honest with you, don't know that I've ever seen a white barrister. I think they're generally, you know, they're generally, you know, black South Africans, and they sing, they sing and they chant and they, you know, and they like shout to each other, you know, and they celebrate the tip. And it's awesome. The bigger the tip, the bigger the song, the bigger the smiles, the bigger the, the you know, the almost like the, the tribal kind of chant. It's fantastic, you know. And, and so like, you know, it's, it's just a, a brilliant, it's a brilliant, and the last few times I went there and I gave a tip, maybe I didn't give too, too big a tip, but they just kind of like, you know, said like, thanks, bud. <laughs> you know, they didn't really sing. I said, sing. And I was like, oh, I don't want to sing. Oh. That's that's actually a little sad. <laughs> now I didn't like say sing, sing, damn it, and, you know. But I'm like, where's the song? And I was like, said to my kids, you know, when we went there, like, listen to this, and there was like crickets. Um, Aww. See, I guess you can't you can't always expect that the moment to to happen. Well, that, and that's why the pre- that, this is why presence, right? Uh, sometimes we can't predict when Hugo or other types of things will happen like you can bring hygge to you think of your favorite jacket or sweater because i know you live in the you know east east coast right like it has a particular in like you said in embodiment wrapping around you giving you a sense of warmth but there are other things that our persona our person wants it could be the cup of coffee um i'm thinking of like how car marketers, some cars literally envelop you in the car. Um, do you remember uh, from National Public Radio that what they used to call the driveway moment, where you want you you're so invested in the story uh, that they were uh, uh, airing that you you park your car and you you listen with the door shut because you want to get to the end of the story, right? All these things to me have a thread that goes through them of connection. And warmth or or interest that sometimes you have to listen for it because you can't bring it to you 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 have to be there and ready for it when it appears. I love that um, driveway a driveway moment and we've all we've all experienced that. I mean, I I typically experience that a lot with uh, I don't listen as much live anymore, but um, but um, now typically in my car, if anything, I'm gonna probably listen to a podcast but i was listening to howard stern had that effect on me where i'd be like i just can't i can't i would sit in the driveway or in the garage just for like 10 or 15 minutes you know it it can honestly it can be a song it doesn't have to be um a, a story or anything right i've had driveway moments where i went to go pick up one of my kids and i was just listening to an audiobook and you just want to get to the next little end of the next little section because you've you've been pulled into the story so well. And I think you know, in, in a in a very interesting way, that is the present, right? That is the gift of the present when you are so present and in the present that you don't want it to end, and so you want to extend it. And and maybe we should, you know, maybe that's where we do need to slow down, you know. So that's where we need to be able to say, you know what. Let's just uh, let's just uh, put a pin in it, or let's let's hit the pause button. Let's make this moment last just a little bit longer, you know. Especially if we can, 
oftentimes we don't we don't have the ability to we it's out of our control we're always rushing you know this is one of my you know biggest realizations before my mom passed and even after which was there was never enough time and then and then what i realized afterwards is there'll never be enough time that's that's the crazy thing it's like you can go and you can spend an hour and you can spend 10 hours and you can spend 10 days but there'll never be enough time and I, actually I, you know i heard you say that the other day and it is a very touching thing because you know as as a parent uh, not not everybody's a parent but if you have kids it's like you can tell them with words that we need to spend time together you can take action to spend time together but it's never enough time and it's it's sometimes hard like i find it as a parent find the time to spend with the child that's just being right so it's not a game it's not tv it's not like can we just be near each other and enjoy the environment together and there's something unique about kids where they're frenetic and they're not ready to slow down yet Yeah, Maybe it's, it's my young yeah. kids that I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, e- even there, there was just a moment where we kind of slowed down a little bit and and enjoyed uh, enjoyed the pause. Um, but I I think it's very profound, you know. Like it's it's um you know I'll always uh like here's 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 the learning the growth moment that comes out of that, which is I take I take my kids to the airport. I pick them up from the airport. Um, you know, sometimes it's a bear. It's like two hours. It's in the middle of rush hour. Or there's an accident or something. And sometimes I feel like the need to like have to talk. You know, it's like, oh, I better like we got to maximize this time. We've got to talk the whole time. But sometimes, to your point, it's just great that the two of you are in the car together. And they're on there. You know, I'll say to them, like, t- like get off your phone. Take your AirPods out. Let's talk. Um, and, and my learning is we don't have to talk. You don't have to, you can play that stupid game on your phone, but we're together, like literally like in the front seat together. I can at any point in time, just take my hand and, you know, and, and put it on your knee or put it on your shoulder, um, or hold your hand, you know, and it's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And in its own way, it is a form of slowing down. Even if you're zooming along the highway in the or whatever road in the car, and and of course, like very practically, of course, that also makes a hell of a lot of sense because you see the people, and I mean, uh, we're using this, we're using this, we're using this like using this literally. literally. Why am I kind of I'm echoing suddenly? Um, I don't hear an echo. Oh, I think it's gone. Um, but you know. You see people zooming on the highway. They are driving like a bat out of hell. They definitely could get fined and get pulled over, which would not be great, which is probably going to delay them anyway. They're also endangering themselves and other people. Um, For what? And, you know, sometimes, listen, I've been the person speeding and I've also been the person not speeding, um, where you basically look and you realize, You do the math. You actually do the math. And you're like, well, they're driving at 100 miles per hour. And I'm driving at 70 miles per hour. So the reality is that they're going to do 30 miles more than me. 
And so, you know, and then I like sit and go, so 30 miles more than me and I'm driving at 70 is basically just 22 minutes or whatever, if I get my math correctly, correct. But for the most part, this is about 22 minutes. And maybe I got it completely wrong. It might be 17, it might be 29. Is it worth it? 22 minutes? For 22 minutes that you needed to get there before me, that you needed or that I got there 22 minutes later than you. Unless, of course, someone was about to give birth or there was a you know massive time-sensitive moment for whatever reason, and the reason you were late was out of your control, is 22 minutes, and they say, you know, is, is 22 minutes worth your life? Is 22 minutes worth getting thrown in jail? Is 22 minutes worth a $300 fine? I mean, we know the answer is no. So why do we do it? That wasn't necessarily rhetorical. <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking back to my couple times where I've sped and gotten caught. And they've both been the most silly, silly experiences. Uh, in reverse chronological, a uh, few years ago, I went to a car dealership, picked up my car from service, and was just going to the office. And it was one of these... Um, it wasn't the freeway, but it was one of these uh, four-lane roads, two on each side. And I just was in the zone of the music was on, it was a sunny day, and I was going seven miles an hour faster than the speed limit. Uh, there's just no, there was no, like, to your point, it, percentage-wise, it's probably just as big as 100 over 70, uh, but practically, I didn't understand that I was really speeding because I wasn't passing anybody and nobody was passing me, yet I was speeding. And my first experience, which was many years prior to that, I believe I was in my early 20s, was very similar. I was on a uh, four-lane road uh, in the city. You know, it's one of these connector roads that, you know, just the, the major thoroughfares call it or something like that. I don't know what you call them in your area. But I was, again, going high 30s in a 20 25 or something you know and um it's i will say that in in hindsight you know i shouldn't have been speeding but it's almost that i didn't realize that i was speeding uh now on the freeway obviously that's a different story um i've never been pulled over for speeding on the freeway because i'm neither the fastest nor the slowest um there's the the flow, right? That like you just st stick with the flow. If you're constantly passing somebody, I think eventually it's gonna catch up to you. No pun intended. You know, karma will come around, and um, that's what I always think. When somebody's doing a hundred in a seventy or sixty-five, karma's gonna come and get them. So, well, there's also, I mean, there's 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 a lot in what you just said there as well, which is first of all, you you spoke about this idea of silly. They're always silly. Right, they're always, you know, they're always like little things, like, oh man, if I, if I'd, sometimes it'd be like, if only I'd left the, if I'd left the house three seconds earlier, or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if my phone hadn't pinged at that, you know, it's, it's always dumb. It's, you know, it's almost like I could challenge you and say, um, have you ever been 
received a fine or been pulled over for a, you know, for a non-silly reason, like for a legitimate reason. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's never like truly legit because you truly, you know, shouldn't be doing it. Um, and, and yet these, they're like, you know, what do they call it? The, this concept of their unforced errors, you know, they're just dumb things. You're like, oh, I wasn't paying attention, but it's like, but it's also like, I mean, when we think about life, uh, it's a beautiful way to bring it all back, right? Certainly in, in a, in a football match, you know, you could be playing, you know, the, the mightiest team in the world and you're the minnows and you're, holding them up and you're putting 11 men behind the ball and you're just, you know, blocking attack after attack after attack. You're just like, you know, just like like a wall of defense. But the minute that you let your guard down, the minute you lose focus, that tiny moment, they punish you. It's the same concept in boxing. You know, I mean, for anyone that has boxed before, and I don't mean like boxed in a ring, like full contact. I'm talking about just even going to these silly little gym classes, you know, which I used to do a mm-hmm. lot. I used to love them, but I I was always just fascinated, fascinated by how quickly my arms became and my gloves became lead. How quickly that just the simple act of blocking my face became almost like, you know, climbing Mount Everest. It became like lifting 400 pounds bench press. And the minute that you let your your guard down quite literally and figuratively you just feel that punch you know to the face um and 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 that's the idea of like maybe it's not so much the silly mistake but it's just losing focus taking your eye off the prize just for a brief moment that brief moment when you weren't present right that brief moment when you when you uh were already thinking ahead when you were two steps ahead or too many steps ahead, that's when you miss the opportunity or that's when you actually get into trouble. So two thoughts there. One with the car is some days I think driving is actually too easy. Like the skill required to drive, as good as cars have gotten, you don't have to shift anymore. Uh, You can tell what generation I came from. You... The the car, you can probably let go of the steering wheel, and in many cases, it'll just drive straight for forever. Um, it's almost gotten too easy, right? There's backup cameras. I don't have to turn my head anymore to look up, to look out the window to back up. Um, so there, there's that whole concept. But more so on the boxing front, I haven't boxed personally, but I did do sparring for martial arts. So it's a, it's a similar. And... Again, you have to be there in the moment because if you do let your guard down, you're going to get bonked. Even if it's with a padded glove, you're going to, you know, get, get a kick in the shin. Um, but that the there's a unique dynamic about being having an opponent, um, uh, and having them have all the world of predictability and unpredictability simultaneously. You know what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to score a point or whatever you're boxing for or sparring for. But what you don't know is their unpredictability on what they actually might do next. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you sp- this, actually, um, this actually came from my chat uh, yesterday. 
um, in in the live uh, episode of the show. Uh, minutes to 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 twenty three. Um, we're having a conversation about you know uh, Jeremy Delk and having a conversation about you know startups and everything and and uh, you know and, and the insight was that sometimes the barriers to entry, like the barriers to entry should actually be higher. You know, we spoke about this whole idea of leveling the playing field and anyone can start a startup and anyone can get into Web3 and anyone can do this and anyone can do that. But actually, sometimes you do need to actually work a little bit harder to get in. And maybe that's the problem. The problem is that the barriers to entry are too low. You know, to your point... Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's a really profound uh, point, which is, you know, it's the same concept, which is, um, and let, let me put you on the spot right now. So, you know, I'm putting you on the spot. It's a hypothetical example, right? This is the collective cafe. The collective cafe is free. You know, maybe we change it. Own. What if I was to turn around today, you know, Slick, Tim, Christopher, Bez, you know, Praxim and said, you know what? I really forget about the context, whatever I regret or this or that, or unfortunately, whatever. And I say, you, in order to continue coming to the collective cafe, you need to be able to buy a pass to Alpha Collective. So it's one ETH, $1,500 in order to continue coming to the collective cafe and blah, 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 blah. Um, You don't have to answer and I don't want you to answer. But the question is, would you pay it? Uh, and the second question would be, if if not the price, which is the price, w- w- you know, what would you pay? Or would you pay? So there are three things, right? Or, and I'll give you the fourth one, if you wouldn't pay, what would you do in return? What would you feel would be a fair price? The price, you know. Now, your answer, by the way, and it's just a hypothetical example, really. I mean it. Um, but like you might say, well, I've paid in my time by showing up every day. I would personally agree with you. Um but which is fine, but but the essence of it is when the barrier to entry is too easy, it it almost can have a negative impact. the The corollary of that, which is if this were a dollar, let's just say, to come to every day, forget about you guys, you're you're regulars, you're in, right? So as I said, it's a hypothetical. Would more people come if there was a price, or? You know, just to take it all out of this completely, I've put on many events in my time. Uh, you go to South by Southwest. The event is free. The event is free. How many webinars have you registered for? For free. Do you show up? Not always because it's free, right? South by Southwest, there's a party. I've been a part of many parties, organized, sponsored, um, you know, attended. There's... 4,000 people that have registered on Eventbrite, 80 people show up. So when the barrier to entry is too low, um, it, can, it can have a negative impact. And that's, you know, and, and that's the point across the board. Sometimes we should work just a little bit harder or need to work a little bit harder in order to feel vested and in order to kind of like have that sense of, of urgency. I don't want to let them down. I don't want to let myself down. Hey, I paid for the tickets. If 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 I gave you two tickets to go see Les Mis on Broadway tonight for free, you might go, you might not. You, I mean, you plan on going, but something might come up. But if you paid $800 each for, let's say, tickets of Hamilton, you will make sure you show up, 
What do you think about that, Praxim? I think you hit the nail on the head here. Um, I I've I know somebody who works in the uh, marketing industry for a radio station when it was that was a big deal, right? And they used to have tickets all the time, and I've literally heard him say, "I don't understand why people don't go when we give out free tickets." And I think you hit the nail on the head is because they have no investment into the 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 experience, the entity, the the value that either experientially might be there, like if a concert or a play, or in this case, you know, the Alpha Collective about the 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 thoughts and the thought provoking and the growth that it can bring and change of mindset. So, I mean, this is why I love these no agenda. You've become very comfortable uh, on stage. I love it, Praxim. Um, and it's, I, I, he, has a, he has a final thought today when we wind up, um, which is, um, and hello, Tim. You know, the, I was going to say that, that there, there's a very different dynamic when you create content, when you're actually like on the stage versus in the audience. I love both, by the way. I kind of love, you know, what I'm searching most of the time for content myself because I just like it in the background. I actually can't listen to live music for 11 months in this period of mourning. So, like, I can't really, or, or just I can't listen to music as a primary driver. Um, and so I'll just go on, on to Clubhouse, can't find anything. Twitter, Twitter's awful. I mean, Twitter's just DGEN NFT Twitter. And I'm just searching for content. But so many times I'll go into a clubhouse room and I just I can't last more than 25 seconds because nothing at no uh, It's very rare that I, that I get hooked within 30 seconds. Sometimes I'll wait a minute or two minutes, but it's unbelievable how, how underwhelming it is. And I got to say, like, I just love this content. I love this content. I love, uh, so I love listening in the audience when the content is compelling. And I love creating content like we are now on stage. Uh, what about you, Tim? You do both. Yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the concept of, you know, paying for something to add some friction, right? Like, so in, in my world, you know, we do a lot of bringing communities together in enterprises for change. And so, I do put in very carefully crafted frictions for who gets to be a member of a champions group or a change agents group, because I'm looking for people that have that network of people are, are seen and trusted amongst their peers are, you know, on a diffusion of innovation in, in the, you know, innovators bucket. And so we put these subtle frictions in place because I don't want everybody. It's not a numbers game. I don't need 3,000. I need 30 that are, are active. And so it, it's in the domain that you're, that you're applying to, where do you add friction? And the easiest friction that we have is money. You know, you, ha you have to pay to get in or you have to pay this. And um, so, okay, that sets a monetary friction. Is that really the way you segment your, who your audience is? It's easy, but is it really getting you who you want to get? 
Mm. Well, that's what you said, right? Uh, and it's very consistent with what I've always what I've always liked to say, which is quality over quantity. And it, there's actually a very good uh, a, a good reconciliation, which is the which is exactly what you wrote: the most best. First, focus on the best or the right, the most right. They're not necessarily mutually exclusive. You don't have to choose one or right. the other. You, your goal is to get the most right, not not just the right, but the most right. Your goal is to you know to really come full circle here is to create the fork. If the fork isn't there in the road, then create the fork. Give people the ability to self-select. You know, in in the case Absolutely. in the case of Alpha Collective, they ended up probably without me thinking about it, uh, a paid and a freeman. You know, and if I ever get uh, get this off the ground, um, it's gonna it's gonna make sense. I created a fork without necessarily thinking of it as a fork. You know, there's the full access membership, and then there's the and then there's the free access, or the or the not free, but the entry level. You know, the equivalent of coach, right. and, coach and first class. Yep. And, you know, um, you know, where where do you, add, you know, humans in general don't like to do anything, period, full stop. <laughs> so where do you want them to do something? And David Meerman Scott um, the, has a, a great, um, great story on, changing the call to action from white papers to inside at the end of the content rather than where it's traditionally been as at the beginning, right? It's, it's content gating. So in order to see the content, you have to supply your contact information. Well, we all know that you become a lead and you're, you're spammed accordingly. And if you move the call to action to the end of the content after they have consumed the content, and then would you like to explore this more? Would you like to know more? Whatever that call to action is, the quality of the leads that are gotten at that stage are significantly greater than the volume of noise you get at people who are just trying to come in to see the content. So you, get, you may get a lot of leads by content gating, but you'll get a lot of the right leads if you don't gate and your call to action is at the end. Well, we are unfortunately at the end and uh, at the end. I, 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 de I definitely have a name for today's No Agenda Friday for the podcast. It's called Driveway Moments. Um, so I will have this up. I took a bit... Uh, uh, I took a bit longer yesterday. I kind of forgot about it, but uh, I'll get this episode up. It'll be interesting to find out if uh, that first part of, well, I'll listen to it to see if, if that first part of it, when no one could hear me, um, if that actually comes out because, you know, the roadcast, I guess, would have picked it up. Uh, but have uh, have an amazing weekend, everyone. Back on Monday, rearing to go. Um, and um, And, you know, from strength to strength. Be present this weekend. Put down your phones. Um, put down, uh, you know, weed out and, 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 and filter out all of the noise and be present, even if it means actually just being in the same room uh, or the same virtual space as someone that you care about. Um, so I will see you 
on Monday. Uh, thank you, Tim and Praxim, uh, for your contributions. And, of course, Slick Christopher Bez for just being present. Bye, everyone. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.